product-based business, your stock on hand or inventory, as it's likely shown on your balance sheet, is probably one of the most valuable things you have on that balance sheet. At first glance, it might seem like one of the easiest parts of your business to place a value on when you go to sell it. And after all, there's a line item on the balance sheet that says inventory, right? Well, today we're gonna to explore why it might not be quite that easy and how to approach inventory as a buyer and how to put your best foot forward as a seller when it comes to your inventory. Hi, business owners and entrepreneurs. I'm Stephen Krause with Beyond 50%. Welcome to Business Beyond DIY, where we get you from here to what comes next. As I said, I'm your host, Stephen Krause. I love business and I wanna help you get the most from your entrepreneurial journey. Business Beyond DIY is about understanding and developing the value of business, your business. So let's get started. Okay, um, <laughs> so one of the things I was complaining about in the last show was that I couldn't see my notes because of the software I used to uh, run the show, and then I realized I could just put my notes on a different thing. So. I always like to share, I know it sounds, it's kind of off topic, but I always like to share the things about producing video that I learn just in small tidbits because video is becoming such an important part of how we communicate with our marketplace or even with our team members. So the more we can do, you know, the more we can share with each other when we, when we find something, I think it just makes everybody you know, it gives everybody one more thing that they can do a little bit better next time. So if you're doing video for your business, if you're not doing video for your business, I would encourage you to explore it. If you are doing video for your business, that's why I come up with these little things that I share when I do as I'm doing this. There are a lot of great resources out there to, you know, to encourage you or to educate you on how to do video. That's just one little tip. Uh, sometimes your software, I, I don't want a big dual screen set up here so I can have the screen for the uh, streaming software and then a, a screen for my my notes. But of course I say that, but I have a dual screen here because I've got the operating software on one and then my iPad. So <laughs> maybe that's kind of silly. Anyway, what this will allow me to do though is in the future, I may actually move the computer off of the desk. So the only thing I have here is is the screen with my with my notes on it. So. Just a little tidbit there. So why do we care? Let's get back to inventory. Why do we care about even talking about the value of inventory? I mean, there is literally a line item on your balance sheet that says inventory. And why can't we just use that? Well, as it turns out, there are a few more pieces of the inventory puzzle that we need to think about as buyers. And so as a seller, we need to think about what is the buyer going to be looking for. For a buyer, there are three basic things that are gonna come up with inventory. One, what am I buying? And that's the figure that you might have on your balance sheet. And we'll talk about why that might be a might question in a moment. What am I buying? That's the first thing. Second thing, how do I get more of it? So, and then the third thing is, is it useful to me? And we're gonna talk about each of these things in detail because they matter to the valuation of your business as a seller, and they matter to your analysis and your due diligence of a business as a buyer. So they really do make a huge change. Kind of to put a longer description on that, what am I paying for? And we wanna make sure that we're getting that if we're a buyer. 
And that's the, you know, that first one of what am I buying? Secondly, is this inventory going to be useful and am I going to be able to get more of it? Do I understand the supply chain? Do I understand who are the vendors? How long does it take, et cetera? So we'll talk about that. And then is the inventory that's on hand consistent with my vision of the future of the business? And that is another piece of the puzzle on the buyer side. And as a seller, we need to understand how a buyer is valuing our business and look at how can we demonstrate that in a way that is as effective as possible. So those are the things we're going to be looking at as a buyer, as a seller. And I kind of hinted to this. We're going to want to maximize the value of the inventory we have on hand because it's part of the value of our business. And we're going to want to look at what the buyer's needs are and try to, to meet those expectations. And so we're going to go through all of that this morning, talk about each thing. So first thing, what am I buying as a buyer? What am I buying? And so there's two pieces that go into this. One is the actual value. And we're going to talk about some valuation methods here in a few minutes, but, but the value, the, the financial value of the inventory itself, and then the validity of the data in the system that we use. So you have a balance sheet that says your inventory is worth $100,000. How confident am I as the buyer that that's a real number? And that's important. So let's, first of all, let's talk about the value of the balance sheet value, or, or let's talk about what that looks like. It's easy to see. We like it. We like it because it's an easy number to get a hold of, to grasp onto, right? It's also easy to validate if the system is well-maintained. So if you're a product-based business and you're using a software, an application to do your accounting and you're using purchase orders and invoices and receiving processes so that each step of the process allows you to say, okay, I ordered a hundred units from a vendor. Those came in, they were checked in, they were put away and that's reflected in my inventory balance. And the cost, if you're using first in first out or FIFO, that is reflected in your accounting system as well. Where this can fall apart is if a, any of those steps are missed you don't use purchase orders, if you just have deliveries come in and you just put them into inventory as an inventory adjustment and, and enter the bill to the vendor a different way, or if you're using a cash-based inventory system where you're paying cash for inventory and just using an adjustment to add it on in your system, or if you don't have an accounting system and you're using a spreadsheet, all of those things may be perfectly valid and they may work fine. And that's okay. I don't want to suggest, and again, and I am a big advocate. You've heard me talk about this before. I want you to use systems that work for you in your business. What I will tell you about this is that using a system that is easy to validate makes it easier to transfer to a new owner and that has value. So the easier it is for me as a buyer to see myself adopting your system, the fewer obstacles there are to that, the more valuable I am going to perceive that system. And that matters when you're trying to exit. So, you know, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about simply the balance sheet value. What's going to be on that balance sheet figure or what's going to be incorporated into that 
is automatically generated if your system is is done start to finish using the right procedure. I shouldn't say right procedures, but a more formal procedure system. And so it matters. Retail value is not commonly used because normally when we buy inventory, when we buy a business, we're going to want to get the retail value as the new owner. So don't expect someone to come in and say, and, and you're buying something at $50 a piece and value it at $97 a piece because that's what you sell it at. Um, that's not realistic. Uh, I've never seen that be something that is incorporated into a business purchase. And I just wanted to touch on it in case there were any questions. Typically those, the, the value of inventory in a business transaction, when it comes to buying a business, it's going to be that it's going to be based on the balance sheet value, how much you paid for that product uh, versus what you consider the retail value to be. So that's just something I wanted to mention. Liquidation value is, is another one where we're looking at how much this is going to be worth if I dump it all immediately. Meaning that I take everything that you have in inventory and I find a liquidator or somebody that will buy it or I throw it all on Amazon or eBay immediately, what is that gonna be worth? This is typically used more when you're doing an asset sale, when it's something where you're not, we're not really talking about the continuity of a business per se, we're talking about getting rid of the, the assets. And that can have a perfectly valid place in a business acquisition situation. So don't discount it necessarily, but when you're buying a business that you're expect or selling a business where you expect the buyer to continue operations as that business, um, typically that's not going to be the valuation method that certainly as a seller, you're going to want to see. You're going to want to see them using the balance sheet value or something close to it. So I also put a, a note in here about what I call continuity value. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit more as we go through, but that is the value that you're going to assign something when you're going to continue operations. Like I said, as a new business or as a new business owner, you're going to continue operations largely as the same company. That isn't always the case. Sometimes a buyer will buy a company for other purposes than simply to run it. You can, you've seen acquisitions to simply remove a competitor from the marketplace. Uh, you can uh, have an acquisition uh, that is more based on maybe the assets of the business are more valuable as assets to uh, another party than the business is worth as a continued operation for the current owner. And that's where you get into a liquidation situation. All of those things are, are fine and different. And so what we want to understand as sellers is where's the buyer's head at? Are they thinking about approaching this acquisition as a continued operation or are they looking at it as, oh, I'm going to take these three parts and use them in this new way and the rest of the business is, is going to discontinue operations and that happens. So. It's something to think about. It's not necessarily going to be a value of the specific inventory items, but it will affect the overall value of your inventory as a whole. So I wanted to just touch on that a little bit. So after we get the number, you know, whether it comes off the balance sheet or whether it's a liquidation value, something like that, or some combination of the two, then we get into how well do we believe 
the data. So as a, as a buyer, do I believe that your finished goods and raw materials data in terms of quantity is accurate? And there are a couple of ways to do this. Obviously you can do a full um, physical inventory uh, and, and say, you know, and I'm not going to get into how the contract would, would cover this, you know, how the, how the sales agreement would cover this, but you can incorporate a physical inventory into it, into that. And then that physical inventory be, becomes an adjustment to the total price. Once the real number is known, you can demonstrate as a seller, you can demonstrate a history of physical inventory reports that show that you have done physical inventory. You have counted your inventory on some regular basis and made adjustments to assure that your numbers are accurate. And then the other piece of that is perishability. So if you're buying a business that has inventory that's perishable, whether that's a, a food, a food-based business or some other business with perishable raw materials, maybe you have chemicals that are used in your business and those have a shelf life that needs to be understood by the buyer. And certainly if I'm the buyer, I'm going to be looking at this and saying, how much impact is the perishability of this inventory going to have on my ability to move from the day that I take control to having a, a fluid process in place to continue operations. And that may be two days. It may be two hours. It may be two months. And how does that affect or how does perishability affect that particular aspect of the business arrangement? So perishability will also enter into the inventory discussion. And then we have storage requirements, and this is not necessarily going to impact the value of your inventory, but it is an important thing that your buyer needs to understand when it comes to buying your business is how do they, how do you store and organize your inventory so that it's useful in production and production can be making a cake or it can be making, as we used to make it directed energy, high voltage pulse generators. So that's still production. And when we talk about storage uh, or the special requirements for storage, refrigeration, hazardous material storage, all of those things come into play, um, you know, uh, in the case of directed energy, we, at the peak of producing on our own, we had thousands of raw material components, different values of resistors, different values of capacitors, uh, hardware components, printed circuit boards, integrated circuits, transistors, and the list goes on and on. And all of those had to have not only uh, individual bins so that we could keep track of them, but also, uh, for example, the integrated circuits needed to be uh, protected from electrostatic discharge or ESD. And so we did have specific storage requirements for some of the raw materials. And that can, that's just one example of the requirements that your buyer is going to need to understand to assign value and get comfortable. Remember that it, that when you sell a business, it isn't just about arriving at a number that you can say this business is worth X in order to get a buyer 
to sign on the dotted line, they need to believe that they can push the business forward, that they can continue operations as the new owner. And the more comfortable we can make them feel, the better. And I don't mean make them feel like it's artificial. I mean, the more comfortable we can uh, help them become, it maybe is a better way of phrasing that. So they become more comfortable with running the business with continuing the business. And so when we talk about storage, how our inventory is stored, we need to be able to share that with them and show them, demonstrate to them that this is how it's done. And it has been done for a long time. Not, oh, we put it all together two weeks ago in order to show it to you, but it's really, we haven't been doing it very long and it's kind of sketchy. We wanna be able to demonstrate that we've been doing this right for a long time and that you can do it right too, right? You can do this. Being able to, to share that and demonstrate that adds to the transferability of the business. And transferability is a huge, has a huge impact on how I, I perceive a business, how I feel about it as a buyer versus simply the valuation on paper. Let's talk a little bit about sourcing. That's the next thing that comes up. So we've talked about, and we talked a little bit about sourcing earlier, but we've talked about how the, the actual value can be arrived at and some of the things that impact that value. Now let's talk about sourcing because this comes back to uh, the, the question I asked earlier on is how do I get more of this? And sourcing is an important issue when it comes to inventory. And now we're talking about the, that continuity piece again. How do I see myself as the buyer continuing this business. The first thing is obviously we're going to do a vendor review. So expect that if you're a seller, be ready to share the information with your vent of your vendors or for your vendors with your buyer. It, naturally, you're going to want to let your, your vendors know, Hey, we have somebody who's potentially going to buy this business. They're going to be talking to you. Here's their contact information or whatever. I don't want to talk too much about this, but I will do a, a show specifically about how to interact with vendors, customers, and employees when it comes to buying or, or selling your business, uh, because it matters. So we'll talk about that later, but expect it. If I'm a buyer or I'm representing a buyer, I'm, we are going to want to talk to your, to your principal vendors. I guarantee it. The vendor review and introduction, that's going to be something that, that you need to uh, be expecting uh, cost versus order size. You know, that's something that as a buyer, I'm going to want to understand how many do you order at a time? How much do you pay for it? If I ordered twice as much, would that give me some kind of financial break? Doesn't mean I'm going to do it, but I want to know what the options are. If you're buying something that doesn't get uh, discounted in bulk for whatever reason, then, okay, that's something I want to know. If it's something that is discounted tremendously in bulk, then I want to know that. Because if I can capitalize higher buying volumes, then I can reduce my cost as long as I can store it. So I, as long as I have the storage space and the, and the ability to organize that much inventory. So that's a huge piece. Uh, continuity of supply. So what am I buying and can I get more of it? And, and are the vendors valid for me? 
And, and this is, I shouldn't say valid, I should say, are they going to have the same relationship with me that the current owner has with them? And the reason I say that is that if you have a vendor that really likes you and has been giving you the cool guy discount for 10 years and the business shifts and my cost for that product as the buyer is double what you were paying for whatever reason, that changes the value of your product because your margins change. And that impacts the value of the business. So as a buyer, I'm going to want to talk to those uh, vendors and get real answers from them about, you know, is our relationship with you going to be the same as the relationship you had with the previous owner? And I want to understand that. So that's going to matter. The supply chain side of it has an impact on the inventory value. And it's something that you need to be thinking about. Finally, there's this, do I care portion? Am I going to continue every single product in a product-based business that the prior owner can had running when I buy it? And as, as the existing owner, we might really want to be attached to the idea that a new buyer or a new owner is going to do everything the same as we have done it, or we're going to have this continuity. Honestly, that's really unlikely. Most of the time when someone buys something, they, and I've said this before, they buy it because they see a future for it that the current owner isn't implementing or doesn't see, or doesn't have the skills to, to, or, or knowledge to enact or implement. And that doesn't say anything negative about the current owner. And I think it is so important. I've talked about this before and I will talk about it again, just because you're not the person to move this business in this direction or move it to an, to another place where it can add additional value to the ec economic environment doesn't mean anything in terms of who you are or how successful you've been. Okay. I want you to just let all of that go. When you're selling a business, you're selling it because you have something else you want to do and you have the opportunity to sell it to someone, extract value yourself and provide value to somebody who has a vision to take that business forward in a new way. Now it's possible that you could sell it to someone who's going to continue to do it just exactly like you have because you're retiring and you're just ready. That's possible, but probably not likely that the business is going to stay exactly like it was under your ownership. And that's okay. In fact, that's what we want. We want businesses to change and grow and try new things. And as owners, we want to be able to do that as much as we can, but we can't know everything. We can't be everything to everyone. And sometimes it takes a fresh perspective from a new owner to create that kind of momentum in a new direction. I'll, I'll tell you a story. This isn't in my notes, but I'll, I, now that I brought it up, I was working um, on a deal with uh, an, a business owner uh, a number of years ago, and we agreed on pretty much everything in terms of the price of the business, the payment terms, the, um, you know, whatever else was coming up. And that owner wanted to continue to work in the business. 
And I said, no, I was nice about it, but I declined that offer. And that killed the deal. I, in conjunction with a couple of other uh, par, uh, components or terms that I wouldn't agree to or that he wouldn't agree to. But that was one of the things that, that, I, that was a no-go for me. If that had been the only issue of contention, I still would have walked away from that deal because I had a vision for doing things differently and you can't do things differently if someone is there constantly trying to keep things the same. And yes, it is possible that uh, an existing owner could just let it go and let the new owner do these new things and really be supportive and, and really back the change. That hasn't been my experience. And that doesn't mean it can't happen, but it hasn't been my experience. And so that's an example of where, you know, we just had to say no, because I, I couldn't go there. I needed, you know, to be able to, to put a new direction on some of the programs or some of the uh, things we were doing in the business. And uh, so for me, it was a no-go. But it, it, my point is it matters. And the, the, the vision of a company is based on what a new owner might want to do. And they have to be able to implement that. And you shouldn't, like I said, you shouldn't feel like that means anything less for you as the existing owner. You, it's just a different thing. It's just a different way of doing things. So, so let's kind of just wrap up everything we talked about on the buyer side. And we can sort of sum this up in, into uh, a few points for each person as takeaways on the buyer side. What am I buying? Okay. And that kind of goes into, that is your balance sheet number. Can I get more? That's your supply side number. That's your, uh, or, um, your supply side sourcing. And then is it part of my plan? So I'm not going to buy something that I'm, or I'm not going to add value to something that I'm not going to continue as the new owner, because that doesn't have value to me. And so there may be 30%, I'm just making up numbers here. There might be 30% of the inventory that is raw materials for a product line that I don't see a future for. I don't want to pay for that. And that's part of the negotiation process. All right. So three things for the buyers. What am I buying? Can I get more of it? And is it part of the future of the business as I see it? All right. On the seller side, obviously we want to get the most we can for our business. The best way to do that is to be able to demonstrate the value of your inventory and the accuracy of your inventory with transparency, a well-organized inventory system, both in, in, in physical inventory, well-organized on the floor and well-organized in your inventory system in, in your uh, accounting software. Okay. And vendor cooperation talking to your vendors saying, this is going to happen. This is what I'd like, or don't tell them what you'd like them to say, but um, treat them well so that what you'd like them to say is what they'll say. But, but vendor cooperation so that the, it, it, as the seller, you can demonstrate not only the value of your inventory, but also the transferability of your inventory and your supply chain. Those are all uh, going to increase the overall comfort that that buyer is going to have and the value they're going to assign to that figure. 
One last thing I wanted to look to talk about here is to always look at ways for both parties to win. When we go to buy a business, this is not about me getting the better of someone. We don't, that is not the point of negotiation. It's not the point of the buying or selling position or process. It's understanding the value according to the buyer, understanding the value according to the seller and finding common ground between the two where both sides get what they need. If you're not getting what you need in a business deal, you need to find another party to work with, whether you're the seller or the buyer. If you're looking to buy a business and you're not getting, um, let's say I'm looking at buying a business and uh, I don't wanna buy that 30% of inventory because it isn't valuable to me. And the seller is saying, hey, that's valuable. You need to buy it. It's okay to say no. This isn't, and it's not, that's not a, an indictment of the seller. It's just saying this deal is not right for me. And that's okay. Always look for both parties to win. There's no reason in the world both parties can't come out winners. Thank you for joining me on this entrepreneurial journey. I'm Stephen Krause with Beyond 50%, and I help entrepreneurs buy and sell businesses with an experience-driven process and impartial analysis. Connect with me on one of the social platforms listed in the description below. If you're ready to get from here to what comes next, there's a link down there with my calendar so we can discuss your goals. If you found this video helpful, please like and subscribe. If you're listening to the podcast, five-star reviews, let the podcatchers know that the show exists, that the content is relevant, and sometimes it matters. Thanks again. Remember, doing it yourself doesn't mean going it alone.